Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards, and I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Listen, I know it's just right before Christmas, but I got a great Christmas message. I hope you get to watch this before Christmas, but if you don't, you'll still be able to apply it because, you know, we're going to be answering the question, is it wrong to celebrate Christmas? But it's not going to stop there. This is going to give you some answers to a lot of issues where you're trying to find out if they're right or the wrong. Maybe you've got family members or friends or legalistic people hammering you all the time, telling you that it's wrong for you to celebrate certain holidays and you know you're struggling well you know what when you answer those questions which are very clearly addressed in the scripture you're going to answer a lot of other questions that you may be struggling with you're going to find a lot of solutions that uh, you didn't even know applied to this let's all be back in just one minute don't go away Listen, I know Christmas is just right around the corner, but it's not too late for you to download your free series, Creating Happy Holidays. Just click on the icon right there at the top right of your screen, and I'll tell you something, this is going to give you some tools to have a great holiday season. All right, there's probably more people that struggle with this question than you would ever imagine. And even the people that don't struggle with the question about is it right or wrong to celebrate Christmas, they struggle with other holidays. You know, in America, in our culture, we have a lot of holidays that are not biblical, they are not scriptural, but they don't necessarily have to become something horrible and evil just because you practice them. You know, something that we always forget is we always forget that what makes something meaningful is what is happening in your heart. You know, you can go to church, take communion. It don't mean anything. It might as well be a pagan celebration if you're not engaging with God in your heart by faith. You can get baptized. You can lift your hands during the worship service. But if you're not engaging in your heart, it is meaningless. You're just raising your hands. You're just dancing to the music or you're just getting dunked or whatever. Faith is what makes it real or not. And faith is a matter of the heart. And so whether we're doing something that's considered culturally good or considered culturally bad, the real truth is what determines it is what is going on in our heart at the moment that we're doing it. So we want to look at what the Bible says, not just about celebrating Christmas, but I mean, stop and think about it. Even Easter is designed around paganism. You got Halloween that's designed around paganism. You got all kinds of things that are designed around paganism. Like I say, there's even many things that you do in church that is designed around paganism. So the real question is not, Is it wrong to celebrate Christmas? The real question is, with Christmas or any other holiday, what's the real question or the real message that I'm sending to my children, to my family, to my friends? How are people being influenced by my activities? Now, the self-righteous and the legalists, they would tell you that if you observe any of these holidays, you are turning people against Jesus. Well, I got news for you. I would bet that more people are turned against Jesus and turned against the church by these mean legalists that never enjoy life and don't know how to do things from their heart unto the Lord. And the real truth is we want to show people what it's like 
to live from a biblical perspective where every day we're enjoying the Lord. We're in every situation. We know how to be thankful and give thanks. We're in every situation. We know how to not only experience God, but in every situation to be able to express God to the world around us. Now, like I say, every holiday, people come out of the woodwork. And uh, like I say, every year when the holiday comes, the legalists who feel it's their ministry to point out what, according to their opinion, everybody else should be doing, there's going to be so many harsh judgmental posts on Facebook about celebrating Christmas. And so many people are going to be attacked that I felt like I needed to address this. First, I want to help the innocent believers who will struggle from the weight of this condemnation that other people pour on them. And second, I want to minister to those who would clearly violate their conscience if they did celebrate Christmas. You know, there's some people that don't need to celebrate because of how it affects their conscience, and we'll talk about that. You know, I want them to have the freedom to do what they do, but to do so free from the need to condemn others. And last of all, I want to help all of us find a meaningful way to celebrate the birth of our Savior. You know, God's Word contains a simple solution to all of our struggles, and it's real simple, and that is to love one another. Now, I want to tell you something. You know, I see all of these posts on Facebook where everybody talks about what was wrong with the law. Well, the real truth is there was nothing wrong with the law. The law was perfect. There was a problem with man. And because of the flesh, because man lived in the flesh, he interpreted all of the commandments on the basis of working from the flesh, on the basis of meeting needs in the flesh. And if people had just used God's commandments to walk in love, we still would have needed Jesus to be born again. But the law never would have become something corrupt if it had not been for the corruption of man. Instead of doing this from his heart, motivated by love, he did it from his flesh, motivated by self-righteousness. And so we want to teach people to walk in love. Now, here's one of the great issues that you can tell when a person is not using the word to walk in love. It's when they use the word to judge someone else's behavior instead of using the word to guide their own behavior. And buddy, that's where it gets critical. Now, you know, from the conception of the church, there have been debates over holy days, food, ceremonies, and all kinds of other dead works. And this debate did not arise from within the church, nor was it based on the apostles' doctrine. It arose from an enemy that is as prevalent today as it was 2,000 years ago, and that is the legalists, those who mix law and grace into a deceptive perversion of truth. Now, the early church's greatest battle was not with the Jews or the Gentiles. It was with those who mixed law and grace, who mixed the old and the new covenant, or those who mix truth with occult mysticism. And it doesn't matter if you're taking God's word and mixing it with legalism or mysticism. Either way, it becomes an absolute destruction to whoever's, whoever's listening and whoever's participating. Romans chapter 14 is one of those chapters that's incredibly important. It's full of practical instruction, practical advice. And the truth is it is overlooked by almost everyone. But in Romans chapter 14, Paul points out that the legalist's true issue is this. They are weak in the faith. They just can't believe that righteousness is ours because we're in Jesus. They don't really trust the finished work of Jesus as being enough. 
So this lack of confidence produces a deep insecurity that causes a person to have to be right. That's why they fight with you. That's why they, you have to agree with them. You have to see things their way because through consensus, they're trying to gain something that can only be gained really through faith and through a deeply personal relationship with the Lord. Their confidence is being right. And when anyone disagrees with their doctrine, they have to fight. It's not a mere disagreement about doctrine. It's a threat to what makes them feel secure. And, you know, if you're not rooted in a relationship with Jesus where you know who God is and Jesus is your Lord and you feel and experience his love, you're going to do something to try to become secure and you're going to do it through your doctrine. But keep in mind, many people today that consider themselves grace believers are legalists because their security is in their doctrine. Once your security gets in your doctrine, you're going to be mean. You're going to be a legalist and you're going to try to force everybody to believe what you believe. You're going to attack people that don't believe what you believe. It's all about making you feel secure. So it doesn't matter if you're doing it with the commandments or if you're doing it with the New Testament. Legalism is always about trying to find some kind of security somewhere other than through our relationship with the Lord. And of course, misery loves company and people feel safer if they have numbers of people that agree with them. So they're only secure if they can force everyone around them to agree with their opinion. You know, in the book of Colossians, Paul answered this question about all these dead and religious works like this. He says, look, since you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations like don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, which all concern things which perish with the using? according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion and false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And Paul actually goes on in the next verse and talks about the fact that this actually separates us or alienates us from the head. We're not holding on to the head. See, keeping all these rules does not overcome the flesh. In fact, they empower the flesh. And the flesh and its weaknesses is, like I say, why law is the power of sin. Law is not the power of sin because there's something wrong with the law. Law becomes the power of sin because we depart from the grace of God. We depart from an intimate relationship with God, and we think we're going to get power through whatever our doctrines are. Now, the real battle, our real battle over the observance of Christmas is nothing compared to the battle that the early church fought about meat sacrificed to idols. Now, Paul ate meat sacrificed to demonic idols, but he was strong in his faith. His security was not in the rules or regulations. You know, if Paul had had a Facebook page, he would have been attacked by millions of Christians who feel it's their right and their obligation, their responsibility to set others straight. It seems that many think ministry is just pointing out the faults of others, but Jesus did tell us, you know, not to judge. Before we attempt to get the splinter out of the eye of others, we should take the board out of our own eye. You see, he even went so far as to say that to call those who felt that they were righteous, and, but from that felt the need to point out the faults of others, he said basically they were hypocrites. Now, I can't imagine any greater issue to learn about any religious observance than this argument that emerged over Paul eating meat that had been dedicated to idols. And I'm going to tell you something, this is going to take us to a truth that's going to set us free in so many areas. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Hey, I know we're getting right up on Christmas, but I want to be sure that you get 
my gift to you. Creating Happy Holidays is a series that I put out there just for that reason, so people could have great holidays, enjoy it, enjoy their families, and get the most out of whatever celebrations they were having. Listen, if you'll just click right up on the top right-hand side of your screen, you can get access to this free gift right now. And I'm telling you, it's going to bless you. It's going to help you. It's going to help your family. You're going to have a great holiday. All right, I hope you're engaged, and I hope you realize this is going to be much bigger than just talking about what we do at Christmas. Now, let me just get this out of the way. We all know that December the 25th is the day of the sun god. We all know, if you know anything about church history, that Catholicism basically brought in the pagan holidays and celebrated those pagan holidays, gave them Christian names, and this was a way to involve the masses in their religion. And Catholicism, the word Catholic means universal. They wanted a universal church that included all of these other religions and all these other religious practices. Now, I'm not anti-Catholic. I'm not saying saying the Catholics aren't born again. I'm just saying that's the history of the Catholic church. So based on the fact that December the 25th is not the day that Jesus was really born, and because it was the day of the sun god, many people take that right there to say, okay, that's the jumping off place. Anybody who observes this is an idol worshiper, they're going to hell. Well, like I say, if that's the case, then Paul is going to hell and everybody he influenced is going to hell over the issue of eating meat sacrificed to idols. We're going to go through Romans chapter 14. I'm going to go through as much of it as I can verse by verse as much as time allows because I want you to get this. Romans 14, 1 says, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. And again, Paul identified that those who thought it was wrong for him to eat this meat are those who are weak in the faith. But by the same token, let me say this. It's not my job to impose something on anybody to make them quit my view on somebody, to make them quit doing something, or impose my view on them to make them start doing something. It's my job to proclaim the truth and let people work this out with Jesus for themselves. So, in other words, these people did not feel safe trusting in the finished work of Jesus. They needed something external. And so... His open advice for both parties is pretty straightforward. Look, don't argue about it. Don't argue about these customs on the basis of who is right or wrong. And then he explained his reasoning. Verse 2, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Same way with holidays. It is a matter of what's in your heart. No matter which side of this issue you take, you have no right and you are forbidden, according to God's word, to look down on or to condemn or try to force other people to take your position. And this will apply to any custom. You know, there are people today that are still hung up on whether or not you should worship on Saturday or you should worship on Sunday. I got news for you. It really doesn't matter. It's according to what's in your heart. You know, Paul said in another place, he says, you know, if a person observes a Sabbath, it's because it's holy to them. If a person observes some other day, it's because that day is holy to them. We have more flexibility than you understand since God is a God of the heart. And so... Observing the Passover, observing the Jewish holidays, all those things can be things you can do or can't do. And what makes it right or wrong, what makes it health or destruction, what makes it faith building or condemning, is what you believe in your heart. Verse 4, who are you to condemn someone else's servant? 
they are responsible to the Lord. So let him judge whether they are right or wrong. And with the Lord's help, they will do what is right and will receive his approval. In other words, other believers are not our servants. They belong to Jesus. He died for them. We didn't die for them. We need to trust him to manage his children and let the Holy Spirit do his work in people instead of us thinking it is our job you know, to influence what everybody does or doesn't do. Verse 5. Now, let me say this. If something is clearly identified as destructive, yes, we should warn people. But as far as forcing people, one of the top laws of kingdom living is you cannot use force. People have to make their own decisions in their own heart. Verse 5, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. So again, you know, I already mentioned that. Here Paul expands this principle to holy days, which are the basis for our word holiday. If we worship on Sunday, Saturday, or Monday, the real issue is, are we doing it on that day unto the Lord? And that's the real question that we've got to ask. Or if I'm worshiping on one specific day, then maybe the question I need to ask is this. Is this what gives me confidence? Because if this is what gives me confidence, I have to realize I may be struggling with some religious and cultural issues that I'm putting my trust in more than I'm trusting the Lord. And I'm not saying you just should immediately stop, but I'm just saying you've got to ask yourself some questions. You've got to make this journey. Because I can't tell anybody else what is sin for them. You know, in verse 23, it says, whatever is not of faith is sin. I don't want somebody to try to copy my freedom if it's not a matter of their heart and not a matter of faith. By the same token, there are some things I don't do that a lot of people do, and I don't condemn them for it. But for me, I can't do it and do it in good faith. My conscience is not clear. Verse 6, those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord. Since they give thanks to God before eating, and you could say before celebrating that special day, and those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord, and they give Him thanks. See, this is the logic that should apply to any tradition, culture, or ceremony, or superstition. The key is this, are you doing what you do unto the Lord you know, so on Christmas, are you celebrating the birth of Christ or are you celebrating the paganism and commercialism that America calls Christmas? It's the intention of the heart that makes it right or wrong in this situation. Not in every, you know, there are some things that are wrong no matter what your intention of the heart is. But there are some things that are not clearly defined in the Bible as far as how we should do them, that the only thing that makes them right or wrong is what's going on in the heart. So this applies to those who do not practice Christmas, are you abstaining from celebrating Christmas because you're doing it unto the Lord? If so, that's the right thing for you to do. But again, you have no biblical right to impose your conscience onto someone else. You are not their Lord. You're attempting to control their conviction and to usurp the Lordship of Jesus in their lives. Verse 7, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord both of the living and both by the dead. So the real thing is this, whatever I'm doing, whether I am celebrating, whether I'm not celebrating, am I honoring the Lord? What's the message, like I said earlier, what's the message this sends to my family? What's the message this sends to my children and the people that I'm trying to influence in my community, you know, based on how I'm doing this, based on uh, what I share, based on what I talk about? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And so 
you know, I'm not going to go in, into all of this because you've heard me talk about it earlier. But, you know, I hated Christmas for years. I hated it. I, I was depressed and struggled. But you know what? That's because I was doing it, and I was still being affected by former traditions. You know, today I love Christmas. It's a great time for me to be with my friends, my grandkids, my kids. My wife and I enjoy it. We turn it into this incredible celebration. And that's why we recommend that you download the Creating Happy Holidays. Listen, just click that link that's popping up there on the top right-hand side of your screen right now. Even though it's just a few days of Christmas, you can start listening to this and you can have an incredible Christmas. And you want to get this, it's free. It's four messages. It's my gift to you. So I, I hope that you'll do it because I want you to learn how to have a Christ-centered event regardless of whether you have a Christmas tree or don't have. You know, I was taught that a Christmas tree was about eternal life. And I know that the pagans meant something totally different by it. But for me, it's eternal life. The star that I put on the top of the Christmas tree when I was a little boy, I was putting there because of the story of the star of Bethlehem. I wasn't bowing down to idols. I wasn't acknowledging something else in my heart. I don't know what other people were doing, but I know what was in my heart. So verse 12, he says, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Stop condemning. Stop beating people up. You know, uh, the devil doesn't have to do anything to anybody if you're beating them up because, you know, the word devil means to accuse. When you're accusing people because you're trying to control their convictions, you are doing the work of the devil. You're not doing anything godly. Paul says in verse 14, I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it is absolutely wrong. Now, remember, the original temptation revolved around man being a god to himself. It revolved around the idea that I'll decide what's right and wrong. I'll decide what's good and bad. I'll decide what's holy and unholy. Instead of trusting God who created all things, man has decided that he's going to do all of this for himself. Well, that's exactly what we're doing when we start thinking that one day is holy, another day is holy, all these kinds of things. So unless the Bible gives us clear instructions we have to determine that our participation in anything, unless it's clearly laid out, has a few guiding principles. Number one, does it directly violate the Word of God? Number two, does it direct the Word of God in principle? Number three, how does this affect my conscience? Because remember, if I do anything that condemns myself, even if the Bible gives me permission, it still destroys me. Number four, is it the wise thing to do? And you know, Paul said all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Is this the wise thing to do? Does it, you know, last, does it honor or dishonor God? And actually next, I said last one, but this one is the last one. And then how does it influence the people around me? Verse 15, Paul says, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will be criticized for doing something you believe is good. You know, don't try to force other people to celebrate Christmas. Don't try to force other people not to celebrate Christmas. Either one produces condemnation. You walk in love, and you know what? Even if people are criticizing you, even if people are against you, and even if people talk down on you for celebrating Christmas or any other holiday, you just walk in love. You just remember that they have a weak conscience. And because they have a weak conscience and they lack security in God, we're not going to condemn them. We're not going to point out their weakness. We're going to love them, accept them, and be kind to them. And we're going to treat them 
with value because they are valuable to God no matter whether they're valuable to us. Listen, don't go away. I'll be right back with my mentoring moment. I just want to share a few important closing thoughts with you. If you've been plagued with depression or frustration or difficulty in the holidays, be sure and take this opportunity. Right there it is at the top right-hand side of your screen. Click on there and download Creating Happy Holidays. It's going to change your celebration. You know, people just keep asking me, what can I do to help? People are so excited about what's happening in their life. They're wanting to make sure other people have the same kind of experiences with God that they're having. That's why we call them world changers. Let me tell you two things that you can do. Number one, every single thing that you receive on here that helps you, that benefits you, repost it. Put all these messages on your Facebook page and send links out to all of your friends and tell them how it's helping you. Actually, there's three things because another thing you can do is be sure and like our YouTube channel. This is more important than almost anything else that you can do because the more you like our YouTube channel and if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, the more people will get exposed to it the way YouTube works. Also, the last thing is, of course, we all always need finances. To reach the whole world costs money, and we don't hit you up and we don't manipulate you, but I want you to have the opportunity to become a world changer and help finance the gospel going to the ends of the earth. All right, one of the most important scriptures that we can close with is, is in Romans 14, 17, where it says, for the kingdom of God is not meat to drink. It's not about your food. It's not about what day you worship on. It's not about all of these outward observance, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I love verse 18. It says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, what attitude? This attitude that says, I'm going to live as I should live before Christ. I'm going to live a life that is self-evident that I know and walk with God. And that's, you know, the word righteousness in the original language has the meaning of something that is self-evident. You know, it should be, when we walk in love, and I'm talking about God's definition of love, when we're kind to people, when we're merciful to people, when we are building people up, it becomes self-evident that we're righteous. We don't have to prove it by everything else that we're trying to do outside. But so when I walk in righteousness and peace, you know, not only am I at peace with God because I believe the new covenant, but I am at peace with you, I become a peacemaker. And you know, the Bible warns us that one of the factors when it comes down to the days that we're living in, the, in this time of the beginning of sorrows, is says the way of peace they have not known. I want to tell you something, most of the church world today does not believe in the power of God's righteousness, peace, and joy. They don't believe in the power of walking in love. They believe that they've got to usurp the role of the Holy Spirit and beat people down, which the Holy Spirit doesn't even do that, but that's what they believe. But listen to this. It says, if you'll serve people with this attitude that the most important thing is righteousness, peace, and joy, you will please God and others will approve of you. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. You know, at the end of the day, is it building people up? Is it encouraging people to love and trust God? You know, if you're mean and you're hard and you're judgmental, I got news for you. Nobody wants what you got because it looks more like a disease than it does a new birth. It looks more like death than it does life. Walk in love, be a peacemaker, and have a great Christmas. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. 
be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.